This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. The, the, the winds of change are blowing through Raider Nation, and Silver and Black Today keeps you up to date with the latest news and views about your Las Vegas Raiders. Touchdown, Las Vegas! With insights, opinions, and interviews, we're on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Now, now with the latest on your Raiders and the NFL, your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moten. Welcome back, everybody. It's time for Silver and Black Today. You can hear us. We're an Odyssey original podcast covering the Las Vegas Raiders exclusively with Odyssey. You can also hear us on The Bet in Las Vegas. So our radio audience in Las Vegas, thanks for being back with us. It is Scott Branson and Mo Moten. Mo is the national, he just, he's international, really. He's an international man of mystery, but really his day job is he's the senior NFL writer at Bleach Report, also the Raiders columnist at sportsnot.com. You can follow him on x.com at Mo Moten. M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. You can also follow me at LV Gully. You can catch my work also on sportsnot.com where I cover the Raiders, NFL, Major League Baseball, you name it. It's all up there for you. And a hearty hello to our audience on YouTube as well. We jump back in. It is week 18 in the NFL. It's the final game for the Raiders in 2023. Of course, they were eliminated from the playoffs last week. They host the Denver Broncos down at Allegiant Stadium. And we're going to get into the news of the week. And really, we got to start with this, Mo. And I know we talked about it yesterday on our mailbag show. We got a lot of mail about the coaching situation, about Antonio Pierce, and, of course, the swirling rumors around Jim Harbaugh coming back to the NFL. Of course, Harbaugh and his Michigan Wolverines Monday will face Washington, University of Washington, in the national championship game. Um, but the idea that Jim Harbaugh could be a good fit in Las Vegas, we saw Michael Lombardi uh, on his uh, GM Shuffle podcast talk about the fact that Harbaugh appreciates loyalty history, he started his career with the Raiders. He was hired by Al Davis as an assistant coach, and that's how he started as a coach. Um, his first job, obviously, with them. Uh, but there's going to be competition for Jim Harbaugh. It doesn't mean the Raiders have the inside track or any of that. But interested to hear your thoughts on this because we it's it's created another kind of uh, division amongst Raider Nation for those folks who really believe and want at all costs Antonio Pierce, who's done a fine job as the interim head coach, turned around the locker room, did a lot of things well. Uh, and there's that group, and then there's the group of folks who are kind of thinking bigger picture and know that Jim Harbaugh is a winner. Every place he's gone, he's been a winner. Three NFC Championship games, one Super Bowl. Of course, he lost it to his brother by three points. But he's got a track record you look at and you say, wow, that's a guy who turns things around. When you look at this rumor where we're at this week, we're not going to get any sort of indication on what Jim Harbaugh is going to do until after the National Championship game on Monday. Uh, But what's your initial thoughts on the idea of Jim Harbaugh coming back to the NFL and if he would be a fit in Las Vegas to coach the Raiders. Polarizing head coaching candidate, but I would be on board with it simply because if you're a Raider fan or you're Mark Davis and you're saying we have to get this right, 
what better decision to make than to get a guy who's done it before on both levels, college and NFL. Again, I'll say this again. People are going to get tired of hearing me saying this, but 70 plus percent win percentage in college and in the NFL. Also a motivator. A lot of people like Antonio Pierce because he's a motivator and he's, he's helped develop that defense. Jim Harbaugh, also a motivator. He, w- he wouldn't be a good college coach if he wasn't a good motivator. Those two things, that quality goes hand in hand with being a good college head coach. The other thing, a lot of people like Antonio Pierce because he is a Raider. He's one of us, so to speak. Well, Jim Harbaugh, former Raiders offensive uh, assistant and quarterbacks coach. So he understands the culture just as Antonio Pierce does. He also has a winning uh, wing record on two levels at multiple programs. He's turned around programs. So when you talk about the Raiders having to turn the corner and, and not be the losing franchise that it has been for most of the last two decades, Jim Harbaugh has won and turned programs around the collegiate level. What were the San Francisco 49ers before he got there and what were they shortly after? Now, I know the San Francisco 49ers are now the number one seed with Kyle Shanahan, but before Kyle Shanahan, that, that period between Kyle Shanahan and Jim Harbaugh, what were the 49ers? You know, what what was Michigan before Jim Harbaugh arrived there? Michigan yeah. was considered the little brother to Ohio State in the Big Ten. Now they've beaten Ohio State in, in multiple consecutive years. As you said, they're going for the natty right now. So he knows how to take a reclamation project. Or a lot of people don't want to hear this, maybe the R word, rebuild. He knows how to rebuild a team. So if you're worried about the Raiders having to retool, rebuild, revamp, whatever you want to call it, I think Harbaugh is the great, is a perfect guy for the job, for a rebuilding job. We don't now again, I'm not saying Antonio Pierce is not a good candidate because I know a lot of people are gonna hear, well, Mo likes Jim Harbaugh and doesn't like Antonio Pierce. That's not the case. All I'm saying is Harbaugh has the the traits and the track record to also be a viable candidate. And a lot of people will prefer that over Antonio Pierce because we don't know what Antonio Pierce would be long term. Right. And that's the thing. It's a track record. It's, it's, not, it's not that you don't believe Antonio Pierce could be a head coach eventually in the NFL. That's not what it's about. But if you look at, you, you mm-hmm. pointed out, when you look at Jim Harbaugh, not only the college, so, so you look at San Francisco, NFC champions one time in, in, his, in, his, in his four years there, NFC championship game three straight years. Uh, and when, when, he, when he took that team over, in 2011, they were coming off a six and 10 season. Okay. So it wasn't like he inherited a 13 and three team. He inherited a six and 10 team. And in 2011, they went 13 and three and he was the coach of the year. Right. And the eight years before Harbaugh was in San Francisco, they had never won more than eight games. Okay. So I want to put that into perspective because this isn't a situation where he inherited a good team and carried them into three straight NFC Championships game. He turned them around. He also turned around, as you mentioned, Division Three, University of San Diego, Stanford, and then Michigan. Some people pushed back on me when I made that point the other day, saying, well, look, he didn't do it overnight. Well, no, you don't do it overnight. <laughs> I mean, especially in college. In the pros, you can do it faster, by the way. In college, it's a whole different thing. You're setting up recruiting trail. You're setting up recruiting coordinators. You're getting out there. People don't know you. You're back in the college game for the first time in a long time. And so it, it takes it takes time to do that, especially at Michigan in the competitive Big Ten. So so you look at all of those things he's done. Great, that's the upside. What's the downside? Let's mention some of the downside. The downside is there's going to be heavy competition for him, 
which will drive the cost up. We've seen the LA Times write editorials about how he should be the coach of the Chargers and that the Spanos family has to do everything to go get him. We've seen Chicago. Now, it looks like Chicago's going to stick with Eberflus, but we've seen a push for him in Chicago, which makes sense. We've seen a push for him in other areas, too. So that's one. So he could be cost prohibitive, at least. I shouldn't say cost prohibitive. He could be costly, which is number one. Number two is the cheating scandal at Michigan is not going away. The NFL has said that they have not decided until that's all finished out, he could be subject to a suspension in the NFL. If he runs to the NFL and he's found to have done something wrong, then he could be suspended as an NFL coach as well. So that's the downside to it. But Mo, I think that the upside here is so great. And I don't. what I don't understand, I understand the affinity for Coach Pierce. I got no problem with that. We've been on that train too. We we know the great job he's done with what he was given. At the same time, I don't understand the the lack of excitement over Harbaugh. Again, he's got some baggage too. I'm not saying he doesn't. Everybody does. But the fact that he turns around teams so quickly at every level, from Division three college to the NFL, is pretty remarkable. So so if it is him. I, I, I've seen people say they won't be a Raider fan anymore if it's not Pierce. I, I don't understand. That. I think they're just saying that in, in, in a moment of passion. But um, I don't understand the lack of excitement about the possibility even. And again, at this point, it's only a possibility. There were Raider fans who weren't going to be Raider fans anymore if the Raiders didn't hire Rich Passaccia, and they are still <laughs> Raider fans to this day. Right. Uh, uh, but I will say the other, the other, I don't want to say knock against Jim Harbaugh, but the other concern about Jim Harbaugh is a lot of fans just don't want to, I guess, start a clean slate, use the R word again, rebuild. They want to they want to build on what Antonio Pierce and Chem Kelly have already in place. They don't want to start over and, okay, ty- does Tyree Wilson fit in the future plans? Does this guy fit? You, you assume that Max Crosby and Devontae Adams fit in any team's plans. But as far as the development that Swag Jeff talked about on our previous show, is it is it worth disrupting that development, that progress that the Raiders shown, specifically on the defensive side of the ball, for Jim Harbaugh? I would say it's worth it simply because Jim Harbaugh can possibly develop your quarterback of the future. But it is something to think about. You know, what is Jim Harbaugh's plan for the defense? You know, what is Jim Harbaugh's plan for some of the guys that are already on the roster that have shown some progress? Is he going to want those guys? Is he going to develop those guys, or is he going to bring in and draft players to replace? those young players that the previous regime have drafted? Well, it, it, it's a fine question, but why does it have to be an or? So if, I, if I'm if i Jim Harbaugh and I interview for this job and I look at the progress, I look at a guy like Malcolm Coons, do you think I'm going to get rid of him? I don't absolutely think so. Not. He's not a- absolutely not. Go ahead. But Scott, the, the overall tenor of the locker room is what, is what I'm trying to get at. Not just the player development, but... The players are obviously responding to Antonio Pierce's coaching style. Now, while we believe Jim Harbaugh is a motivator and can get guys playing at at tip-top level, how does he play in that locker room? Will the players respond to him the same way or better than they responded to Antonio Pierce? I think that's a fair question. Now, we assume yes, because as you mentioned his resume, he's he's built up programs and teams wherever he's gone, but we can't assume that. We we just can't assume that. We don't don't know. We do know... How these players have responded to Antonio Pierce, though. Yeah, we do. 
and it's and, and it's vital that you have a unified and a and a and a relatively happy locker room, right? Um, but I can yeah. tell you that if Antonio Pierce is a coach and they go one and eight to start the season, how's that locker room going to be? I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying there are a lot of things we don't know. You don't know, to your point, Jim Harbaugh, what the locker room would be like. Under Antonio Pierce, you know what the locker room is going to be like, but you don't know because he doesn't have a track record of coaching if the football side turns around. You, so, so again, on both sides, they're both positives and negatives for both guys, right? You, there's no perfect candidate. So I think you look at that and you say to yourself, well, the team he inherited in 2010 from the 49ers that went 6-10, and 10, he went in there and you talk about a rebuild. Look, the Raiders, they're not, the Raiders are not an 11-win team. Okay, they're sitting at seven right now. Okay, seven wins. Is that okay? That's progress, no question. But there's no there's no saying that a coach can't come in, whether it's Pierce or Harbaugh, and suddenly next year they win eleven. I mean, you just don't know based on that. And by the way, people say, well, we don't want to rebuild. Guess what? And we're going to talk about it in the next segment. You got to blow up the offense. Mm -hmm. So there is going to be a rebuild, maybe on one side of the ball. And to your point, you don't want to lose the progress you made on defense. What you want to do is take the progress, add some new bodies that fit from a locker room perspective and a talent perspective, draft, whatever, to bolster it and to make it even better. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you on that one. It's just a matter of, and again, this is going to go into the interview process. Yeah. With Pierce and Jim Harbaugh, or whoever the Raiders hire, you're going to ask them, how are you going to build your staff? And I think this is an aspect that a lot of people are overlooking. They're focusing on the candidate himself, but part of being a successful head coach is being to being able to build quality coaching staffs because you got to have somebody develop and, and, and help, help your linebackers progress, your quarterbacks coach, your running backs coach, your coordinators, if you're not going to call the plays, like Antonio Pierce isn't. So I, I think part of this process that a lot of people are not talking about enough is – and we don't know the answer to these questions. Who's Antonio Pierce going to bring in as his coordinators if he's not calling uh, defensive plays? Because we know right. he's not calling the offense. <laughs> right. Who is Jim Harbaugh going to bring in with him? Because he's building a good staff in Michigan, by the way. So who is he going to bring in with him to develop players? Because it's the Raiders have to draft well. We talk about this a lot. The Raiders have to draft well, which they haven't done well for the most part over the past two decades. So whoever they hire has to have a good plan to develop players. And that goes to the coaching staff. Also, the front office, the GM, that 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 hire is important too because they're they're drafting players on draft. They're 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 the ones with the head say there. So the Raiders have to identify who's a fit, develop those players, and then hope that, that head coach is still able to harness what's going on in the locker room and build upon what they have. I want to say one thing real quick: the Raiders are a seven-win team, but let's be you know let's be honest about this football team. While it's not an eleven-win team, it's not a three-win team either. No. So this isn't a team that's just has no talent on it. Correct. Assuming they Correct. don't trade Especially Devontae Adams, they have they have pieces. So this isn't. I know a lot of people are fearful of a complete rebuild. You don't have to completely tear it down, as we'll talk about in the in a moment. The offense, yes, minus a few players, but you have now a top ten scoring defense. You build on that, and you find your quarterback. See where it goes. Yeah, and I think whoever the coach is, I think we'll see that. And I don't, I think it would be, I mean, look, in the NFL, I don't care if you're Harbaugh or you're Pierce. And yeah, Pierce might get a three or four year contract. Harbaugh might get a six year contract, right? Because of his track record. Mm -hmm. But no matter who you are, you know you have to win, 
Okay, it's it, and and for Harbaugh, especially if he wins a national championship on Monday, which is a distinct possibility, then all he's would have not done in his career is win a Super Bowl as a coach. So he's going to want to win a Super Bowl. So you, I, I, I find it very hard to believe, and and I know what you're saying about the locker room that any coach would come in and look at the progress that defense has made and not want to build on it versus start it over. Now the big unknown. Patrick Graham may not be there. Depend, it doesn't matter. Even if Antonio Pierce is a coach, he may leave. So you have, you don't know what you don't know. The, the unknowns are out there. So the defense, as much progress as it's made, it doesn't necessarily mean someone else can't take the baton and run with it and continue that development. So we'll have to see. Either way, I think the Raiders are in a good position. I think the job is appealing enough. You have Pierce there already. If he's the coach, great. If he's not the coach, then I think there'll be some good people interested in it. All right. We're going to take our first break here on this edition of Silver and Black today. When we come back, we're going to talk about that offense. Very interesting piece from Tashawn Reed over The Athletic uh, that is pretty eye-opening when you look at the numbers and something that we've kind of hinted at here, but we're going to talk about that, and that is the desire to basically almost start over on offense and we'll talk about that in depth when we come back. You're listening to Silver and Black today. He is Momote, and I'm Scott Branson, and we're coming back with you here in just a minute. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back. Silver and Black today here, an Odyssey original podcast covering your Las Vegas Raiders. Also on the air, on the radio, on the bet in Las Vegas. So our Las Vegas audience on the radio, thanks for being with us. Mo Moten, Scott Branson, we are back talking Raiders football. We're going to dive into the offense. Mo, blow up the offense. Just scrap it, start over for the most part with this offense. Tashawn Reed on The Athletic had a really good piece on The Athletic, uh, and he hit on some great points including on Aiden O'Connell. We'll get into that in a minute. But this quote, um, if you look at it from the perspective of, of Antonio Pierce talking about his quarterback. Now, I will say this. We, we've been very, very, I think, fair and bullish on Aiden O'Connell going back to the preseason where he performed pretty well. The quarterback play for the Raiders under Jimmy Garoppolo and Brian Hoyer was downright embarrassing, okay? So when Antonio Pierce took over... He did absolutely 100% the right thing. He said, you know what? We got this rookie. We took him in the fourth round. He's not perfect. But we're going to start him because we got to see what we got. And he can't do worse than what we already have. And so when they asked him and Tashawn asked Aiden, uh, or excuse me, uh, Pierce about Aiden O'Connell uh, the other day, he said, quote, I never thought any day we would win a game because of Aiden. Pierce said, that was not the plan and is not the plan going forward. Now, that was not a slight on Aiden O'Connell. It's just Pierce saying, look, 
we're giving the kid a chance to play, giving him a lot of snaps, but we're not expecting him to go out there and win games for us. Mo, when you look at that, we've said it this week, multiple shows now, the most important position for this team to focus on in the offseason is quarterback. And I think at least we know if Antonio Pierce is the coach, I think he agrees with that by what he's saying about Aiden O'Connell, a fine quarterback who they can develop, I would say, into a spot starter and a backup, but they need a dynamic playmaker on this offense, and it starts with the quarterback. So basically, Antonio Pierce says that I remember when at the Raiders fire Josh McDaniels, he said, and then Aiden O'Connell gives him the best chance to win. So he, he believed that Aiden O'Connell was the best quarterback on the roster at the time he made that decision. But he's also saying with that quote that Aiden O'Connell is not going to make or break our offense. Right. Because <laughs> basically you have, there's a reason why when he took over, Josh, Josh Jacobs became the focal point of, of that offense. And the Raiders took on a physical identity on the offensive side of the ball. So you knew Aiden O'Connell as a rookie, as a fourth-round rookie, was going to go through his struggles. So you knew that you're not expecting Aiden O'Connell to go out there and lead the team to these 38 to 31 victories. That's not that's not that wasn't the formula for the Raiders winning football games. I said it on my Bleach Report live. Aiden O'Connell threw the ball 47 times, mm-hmm. I believe, in the previous game. That is not the winning formula for the Raiders. You want Aiden O'Connell throwing the ball maybe 30 to 35 times. And you want to run the ball twenty to thirty times, twenty-five to thirty times, and establish that on the ground. So, to to the to the quote and to what the Raiders are right now, obviously they have to find their quarterback of the future. Now, I, I would say to Sean Reed's piece, kind of points to what we've been talking about. And I, I don't think it's something that's uh, groundbreaking. When you, when you talk about the offense, the offense has you know struggled to score twenty points in a game for most of the season. It's Josh McDaniels' offense. I believe Tashari pointed this out in his piece that Bo Hardegree didn't really change much out, outside of what Josh McDaniels already had in place, and you're not going to really do that. They also had Scott Turner, who may have input a different system, but it's hard to change systems in the middle of a season. Yeah. So to the to the point of the piece and what we're talking about in this segment is, it's obvious the Raiders have to blow up the offense in terms of the system and the scheme. I'm not, we're not saying trade everybody, including Devontae Adams. We're saying the system that's in place has to change simply because it hasn't worked with Josh McDaniels and it hasn't worked with Bo Hardigree. Right. And and we'll get into the Adams question uh, in a second because I, I actually disagree with you. I think they should trade him. I know people are going to hate that and they're going to send me a lot of hate mail. And you made a good argument of why they shouldn't last week, by the way. And it's a very logical and I think well-based argument. But when we look at O'Connell too, because I, you know the, the thing with O'Connell was no one said, we go, I go back... To, to week nine, when he took over as a starter. You and I both, I think, had in essence, and I'm going to paraphrase it here, which is you got to see what you have, right? Yep. The idea is that there was no belief on this show, or I think with anybody in the media or fan base, that this guy was going to be your franchise quarterback. Now, there could have been a surprise where he became that because he just exploded and became so good and we never knew it, right? That did not happen. But if you look at it, of his pass, that's a completion rate. That's 27th in the league. He averaged 6.3 yards per attempt. That's 26th in the league. He's 29th among quarterbacks in touchdown-to-interception ratio. He has nine turnovers. That's 19th in the league. 24th in sack rate, primarily not because the offensive line stinks, not that they're perfect, but he holds onto the ball too long. He's also 29th. This is the one I got from Tashawn's piece. 29th in expected points added per dropback 
media. That's basically quarterback efficiency scoring. So you look at that and you say, okay, so he is what he is. You learned, you found out. And, and listen, I give the kid credit. He, he's stuck in there. He's a good leader. He's, his demeanor is, I think, perfect for the NFL. He obviously got the veterans to get on board with him. They supported him. That's great. He is a Raider, and I think he will be until his rookie deal is done, and we'll see what happens after that. So you got to get that quarterback. And this brings me back to the Adams piece. Renfro, gone. I think he's just gone. I, I don't see them bringing him back, especially with what they can do, cutting him uh, pre-June 1st. But the Devontae Adams question, Bo, I am, when you look at this, to your point, you don't blow up the offense from every piece of personnel. But if I need to go back, if the Raiders really, if the Raiders are in love with, and again, I just don't think there's any chance at Caleb Williams because I think he's going to go number one, unless the Bears do something crazy and, and trade out of that spot, which they could. But if the, if the Raiders feel as though they need to get in the top five somehow, which we already talked about how difficult that's going to be. Um, what chips do they have? They have future compensation with draft picks, but you can't get into the situation where you give away too much, even for your franchise quarterback. So to me, the only chips they have are Max Crosby, overall, high-end chips, Max Crosby, Devontae Adams. I don't think there's any way they trade Max Crosby. I love Devontae Adams, would love to see him as a Raider the rest of his career, but would they not be, I think they would be crazy not to consider it. Of course, you consider it because everyone has a price, even Devontae Adams. But what I will say is that you better have a plan to surround that quarterback with a go-to <laughs> receiver because let me tell you, Jacoby Myers, as good as he is, is a number two. He's not a number he's one. Not a go he's not a go-to target. Right. Right. So if you're going to give up Devontae Adams in a trade to move up for your quarterback, just understand that your quarterback – is going to have to elevate the talent around him immediately because he's not going to have that go-to wide receiver to throw to in Devontae Adams. I used the example last week of Bryce Young in Carolina. Everyone and their sister and mother is calling Bryce Young a bust right now. Look at, look at who he's throwing to. His best receiver is Adam Thielen, who's, <laughs> who's, not, who's in his mid-30s. Right. And, and, and the Miles Sanders acquisition of Frazee didn't work out for the Miles Sanders has been a disappointment at running back. They have Chuba Hubbard there, but there's not much around Bryce Young and the offensive line has been inconsistent. So if you're going to get your quarterback, you better have a plan to, to upgrade or strengthen his supporting cast. Because if you get rid of Devontae Adams and you're also giving up draft capital, then where are you going to get that replacement wide receiver from? Yeah. And, and I mean, there's examples. I mean, you look at you look at Houston. Houston doesn't have any big names either, right? They went out and they right. drafted well, and and they got lucky. Let's face it, they got lucky. Who thought Tank Dell was going to be what he was? Now he got hurt, of course, uh, over the last part of the season. Or did you? Were you a Tank Dell guy? One note about that: when they drafted C.J. Stroud, a lot of people don't notice when the Texans drafted C.J. Stroud, they yeah. asked him about Tank Dell. Tank yes. C.J. Stroud vouched for Tank Dell. Yeah. So I get that connection. Now, yeah. shout out to my guy, Brent Sobleski at Bleacher Reports that Tank Dell will be a rookie of the year candidate. Now, had he offensive rookie of the year candidate, had he not got hurt, he'd be in the mix. Yeah. But let's remember that the Texans actually asked for or not requested, but they took in CJ Stroud's input. Of, input. Who do you want to play with? Right. Tank Dell and CJ Stroud have formed the relationship during the combine, during the offseason leading up to the draft. 
So he had that connection with Tank Dells based on what they had built yeah. before they got to the team. If you yeah. don't have that dynamic where the quarterback doesn't have an immediate rapport with one of your wide receivers, he could struggle. Yeah, I no, I agree with that. And I, and again, I I'm not saying you should or have to. I'm saying that you should consider depending on what it offers. And to your point about a plan, right? So you can't trade Devonte Adams away. And I know some people are going to just dismiss this as hey, you can't even talk about trading him. Everything's possible. Okay. So yeah. to me, you look at that. If I can, if I can trade him, get the quarterback I want, maybe even get another first round draft pick and get an, an offensive lineman in the first round too. You got to consider that as long as, to your point, you have something to go to. Because, look, yeah, you're right. Jacoby Myers and Michael Mayer uh, are not, and 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 Turner are not going to be the three guys that you're going to be your go-to guys in an offense with a young quarterback. You need someone for him to throw the ball to. But I think that when you look at the talent on this offense, if you're blowing up the system, look, Devonte Adams fits in any offense, so that's fine. But when you, if you're going to blow up the system, you then start to have to think about what does that system look like? Do we, do you need another tight end? I mean, even Michael Mayer, I think Michael Mayer is going to be a good player in the NFL. But do you need another tight end? What kind of running backs do you need? It depends on the system you're going to run. And so that coaching GM decision, that's why I think it has to be made very quickly, Mo, for them to prepare for the draft because they know, especially if it's Antonio Pierce. You're going to have to bring somebody in, establish what that system is going to be, and start to build that system based on, or excuse me, start to draft based on that system. All I'm saying here is if you're going to trade Devontae Adams, you better exercise some patience with your quarterback. You can't trade <laughs> Devontae Adams, not replace him with a go-to wide receiver, and then when your young rookie quarterback struggles, you say, oh, he's a bust. Right. Can't do that because no. you just traded away his best playmaker. So I'll, if you're going to trade Devontae Adams – you're going to have to be patient because what CJ Stroud is doing is not the norm. No, I mean, we look at Patrick close. Mahomes this year. What are we talking about with Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs? Oh, he doesn't have enough playmakers. And Patrick Mahomes is a two-time Super Bowl winner. A lot of people say Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league. And people are crying about he doesn't have enough playmakers around him. So yeah. you can't expect a rookie to come in and put up big numbers and look like a, a, a top pick without a quality receiving core. If you're saying, oh, we're giving Patrick Mahomes a pass because he doesn't have enough around him and Travis Kelsey is aging. So, again, all I'm saying is if you're going to trade Devontae Adams. I'm going to say this again. If you're going to trade Devontae Adams, because I'm not on board with this. If you're going to trade Devontae Adams, you better have a plan for the wide receiver pass catching group. Yep. Yep. The only the only way. The only the only, look, I still think it's under a five percent chance. So I'm not saying it's going to happen, or that I want it to happen, or that I think it should happen. I just think you have to be open to the possibility. But what yeah. hurts the Raiders in that position, I would I would think it would be a higher possibility, Mo, if they had hit on the last three drafts and had some wide receivers in that room. Yes. That were if, if Henry Ruggs unfortunately didn't do what he did, and he had mm -hmm. developed into a nice receiver then I think we're having a different discussion, right? Because then you have pieces already in place. But Devontae Adams means so much to that offense. I don't see it happening, but I do think, and I'm not just trying to be provocative, I do think you have to be open to it, but I think you bring up the key point, which is you better have a plan. Um, but you look at the rest of the offense, we talk about Zamir White. I think we learned a lot about Zamir White. Uh, he's going to have a nice opportunity to compete for that starting role if Josh Jacobs is gone, which I, I believe Josh Jacobs will be gone 
just my hunch. Not not again. I'm not saying I want them to be. I'm saying that's my hunch based on what they need to do on offense. Um, so so that puts them in a good position. I also think that as they get later in the draft, they will draft a running back. Can you see them not drafting a running back this year, Mo? No, I mean, most teams have two running backs. You know, a, a main feature running back and a change of pace back for a lot of situations. There are very few workhorse guys around the league. The Derrick Henry days, uh, <laughs> what Dalvin Cook used to be in Minnesota, those days are, are kind of in the past. And you, the running back let's, position, let's be honest, is a very physical position. So guys get dinged up. Josh Jacobs is hurt right now. So you need at least two running backs, two viable running backs uh, for the most part. And I think Samir White puts himself, put himself in a position to be the lead guy with his production over the past few weeks. But I can see the Raiders drafting a running back in the middle rounds just to have someone else other than Samir White, just in case Samir gets hurt, or someone who is a more natural pass catcher out of the backfield, that third down running back. Because Amir Abdullah, let's be honest, he's 30, I believe 30, 30 31 years old. Brandon Bolden is is in his mid thirties, so they're gonna have to get they're gonna have to get younger at the running back position if they're not gonna bring up sincere McCormick and Britton Brown, uh, who've been hurt. So I could definitely see it uh, pair Zamir White up with the young rookie running back from this class. Yeah, and I and I look, I I know they got to bolster the offensive line as well, and I think they do they do that, but all the money all the money and the effort this year are gonna go into that quarterback position as it should. And then to me, the rest of the money that they spend, especially in free agency, should be on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and I talked about Jalen Johnson. I don't know if they'll have a chance at him, but I would love for him to be that number two corner with Jack Jones and then having Hobbs there in the in the slot. So so to me, you know, that defense is a lot closer, and then they can draft on the interior of that defense as well. So so a lot going on, but that offense. Um, is going to be the focal point uh, as well because you have a great foundation with the defense you can build on. The offense, not so much. It's just putrid. Uh, we've seen it now for two years in a row, and that has a lot to do with the system. So uh, kudos to, to, to Sean, a really good piece there and a timely piece as the Raiders get set to go into the final game of the season. All right, we're going to take our final break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the game on Sunday, the Broncos, the Raiders, closing out the season at Allegiant Stadium against the Donkeys, as you guys like to call them. Mo and I will break that down coming up right after this final message. Silver and Black today. Don't go anywhere. All right, the home stretch here. Silver and Black today, covering your Las Vegas Raiders and Odyssey original podcast. Also heard on the radio on the bet in Las Vegas. So thank you to our radio audience in Las Vegas. We appreciate you guys being with us. All right, Mo, we get into this final week of the season. The Raiders are going to take on the Broncos um, at Allegiant Stadium. The Raiders have won seven straight against the Broncos. The Broncos come into this one looking a lot like the Raiders did last year, dysfunctionally uh, kind of in a mess with Russell Wilson. We saw how that all went down. Very similar to the Jarrett Carr. Uh, Jar- uh, Jarrett. Jarrett Carr. Carr and Jarrett Stidham <laughs> last year. Excuse me. See, he's on the Broncos now. They sit Derek Carr final two games. Derek Carr runs away, uh, takes his ball and goes home. <laughs> Russell Wilson benched for the final two. I think the Broncos, by the way, I think the Broncos are going to get hammered by the NFL because I don't think what they did was legal under the CBA and and them trying to force him into a a, a different contract negotiation. But Jarrett Stidham takes over in both spots. He's coming into Las Vegas uh, and and this final game. So it's sort of like the Broncos just want the season to be over, right? Because they're out of the playoffs too. Uh, And Sean Payton wants to move on with whatever his plan is. 
And the Raiders are playing for Antonio Pierce. They're playing for one another. We talked about this before. But you look at this game, some interesting comparisons to what happened last year in a very different way. They got their head coach. He's not going anywhere. Uh, but kind of a fascinating storyline for this final game of the season. So Jared Stidham comes back to Las Vegas to play his former team. Now, we all assume that the Broncos will probably have their eyes on the quarterback in the draft, but Jared Stidham has a chance to show that, hey, maybe I could be, you know, at least a stopgap in Denver. Uh, he could put himself in the mix for that with a solid performance against the Raiders. Now, he was decent against the Chargers, didn't really give the offense a, a big spark, but the Denver Broncos got the win. He didn't make any crucial errors. So he's looking to build on that. So there's some motivation on his side, specifically Jared Stidham, to play well in this football game. As you mentioned, the Raiders have had a, an advantage or won games against the Broncos, seven straight victories over the Broncos. So there, there, is some, there is some rivalry motivation there for Denver to get over the hump. They snapped their losing streak to the Chiefs earlier this season, so they'll be looking to do the same against the Raiders. On the, on the other side of it is... I think the players understand still that they have to play hard for Antonio Pierce. I understand one game isn't going to change your perspective, Antonio Pierce, one way or another, unless the Raiders get embarrassed. Now, if the Raiders get embarrassed by Denver in their own building, in their own stadium, it's going to be a, a, a blemish on his record. and It's not going to yeah. bode well for him going into the offseason. But assuming that doesn't happen, not yeah. going to change much, I but, it but I, think it's, it, I, I think it's still important to note that if the Raiders win – they would have a winning record under Antonio Pierce at five and four. So that means he would have taken over a three and five team and turned it over to a winning football team on his watch. And then you can say, look, there was development, there was player development, and there was overall development. He got a quality win against the Chiefs in Kansas City, and they were actually a winning football team. He turned a team that was two games under 500 into a winning football team. I think while a lot of people say this is a meaningless game, I think that's something that he can put on his resume to say, look, I was 5-4, and four, give me a full season, and maybe we can get 10 games, 10-11 wins, get into the playoffs next year. Right, and, and you know, listen, I, I agree with you, and I, I don't think, that, I just don't see them getting embarrassed against the Broncos. Uh, not, not because no. the Broncos are that bad, I just see, to your point, I think this roster is playing for this coach, um, and even if he doesn't get the job, I think Antonio Pierce wants that piece, right? He wants to be able to walk away and say, look, they, they they won under me. I, I deserve a chance. And if Antonio Pierce doesn't get the job and he moves on from the Raiders, which I hope doesn't happen, but if that happens, then um, that's going to help him significantly. And so so I think that he understands that too. But I think overall, these games, you know, when you're when you're the, the idea that you play for nothing is not true. They're professional football players for the first part, Mo, which is they play to get paid, and everybody takes pride in their job. Right. So you don't want to go out there, especially against a division rival and guys like Max Crosby, Devontae Adams, even though he's been a Raider for two years, they know what it means to, to win. They want to they want to look at the AFC West and say, you know what? We beat the Chiefs. We beat the Chargers. We beat the Broncos twice. Right. They want to be able to say, hey, we did well in our division, because at the end of the day, going into next year, you want to be able to win your division. That's that's the goal. You have to do that. So, and who's going to unseat the Chiefs? If I'm the Raiders, I'm going to say, let's go, man. It starts now. It starts with beating our division rivals on the way out, which is what they've done. They beat the Chargers. They beat the Chiefs. And now, if they beat the Broncos, you can say, look, we finished strong on the AFC West. Let's build on that. So, to me, that's not nothing. That's very, very important. 
It's absolutely important because I think I said it two weeks ago. The fat, the, the, the quickest pathway, the most linear pathway to get to the playoffs is to win your division. So under, under Antonio Pierce, they beat the char, they demolished the Chargers, they upset the Chiefs, and then they could beat the Broncos, which means three and zero. Oh, three and one because they did lose the first game against the Chiefs. So be three and one in the division under Antonio Pierce. I would say that's something to look at. Okay, yes, Antonio is. Pierce is with all you know. We've talked about his inexperience; doesn't have a lot of coaching experience. Three and one in the division with the win over the Chiefs. I think that would be something that you have to look at if you're Mark Davis, if you're considering Antonio Pierce, which you, which he probably is. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And and listen, I mean, like you said, there's some players, and I know your sports not piece. Uh, this week talks about this, some of these guys that are playing for their jobs, some of the guys who want to remain Raiders. And and I think of some of those names. I think Zamir White, you know, he's he's already shown he's done really well spelling Josh Jacobs. I think there's no chance. And and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Happy to admit it. No chance Josh Jacobs plays in this game. I just don't see it happening. Um, number one, because I don't know how healthy he is. And number two, uh, if he's on his way out of Las Vegas, you know, if I'm him, I'm kind of like, well, why am I going to rush back, right? I, I got to just prepare for free agency and get ready to go. So, so Zamir White's going to have another opportunity. A bit, it gets a pretty good defense. It's played pretty good lately to go out there and and show what he can do. And that's another audition uh, to be able to say, hey, well, I want to go into camp as the as the number one running back. Really, I mean, and and he has an opportunity to do that. And then you look at that defense. That defense wants to finish strong, right? They 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 played pretty well in the loss against the Colts. They had some some big some big outages and some penalties, of course. But I think if you're the defense, you had so much momentum under Antonio Pierce, and you want to finish strong. You want to see all those young players get some get some good play in and 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 walk into that locker room on your way out for vacation, saying, "Okay, we finish strong," and that's how you do it. I'm sure Ty Wilson, who had a slow start to the season, wants to end with a bang because, you know, had foot surgery, missed a lot of the training camp, missed a lot of the offseason program, showed some glimpses during the season. Malcolm Koontz has broken out, so that may have come at the cost of getting Tyree Wilson more snaps. But, you know, going into your, you know, a first your first healthy offseason, you want your last game to be your best game, to leave a lasting impression to say, okay, I can put it together as long as I can stay healthy. I'm going to build on what I did in the second half of the season. Also, Aiden O'Connell, I, I talked about the Raiders quarterback plan of possibly bringing in a bridge gap and a rookie. Aiden O'Connell is a big game for him because he can show, you know, I could be that bridge gap guy. You don't have to bring in a veteran. I could be I could be the number two behind a rookie if you're going to draft one. Uh, so this is important for Aiden O'Connell as well. Why I, I don't think he's a starter right now, let's remember he's a fourth-round rookie. And he could develop over the offseason and make some strides. He'll never be mobile, but I think he can be a spot star or, or primary backup. And I think as much as it is important for Jared Stidham, it's also important for Aiden O'Connor for the same reasons. While they may not be the long-term guys with their respective teams, they could be the number two guy and, and potentially push whoever it is is going to start for the Broncos and the Raiders in 2024. Right. And for those guys who are hitting free agency or might be moving on, uh, mm-hmm. That last game tape is important too. You want to show that you yeah. finished strong and that your team was out of the playoffs. You had quote unquote nothing to play for, and uh, you went out there and you balled out anyway. So, so a lot happening here. All right, Mo, let's get our predictions in. What do you got? I have the Raiders winning uh, a lot of my college. Oh, I think 
all of my colleagues agreed with me. The, the, the betting piece for Bleach Report, by the way, comes out on Friday. We pushed it back today because there are no Thursday games. But I think the Raiders win it 24-21. I think it is a close game. It seems like when the Raiders played play the Broncos in the last week of the season, all the games seemed close. like copies of each other. Like they all, they're low-scoring games. It's close late. You know, it, it's... It's those 23-20 games, those 24-21 games. So I think we get a 24-21 Raiders win. There you go. I, I think it's going to be a, a low-scoring game. I think the Raiders uh, win this one 17-10. I think that defense comes mm. out and balls out. And I think the Raiders are able to score a little more. I just can't pick them for over 20 points. I Every time I do, they never seem to score 20 <laughs> points. Or they get close. Uh, but but they that offense needs to... Listen, they need to do something. They need to get that offense rolling. I think for them to go into the offseason feeling good, to your point about Aiden O'Connell, everybody, they need to go out there and they need to score some points and move the ball. And I think they do it marginally. Uh, you're not going to go from 0 to 100 in one week, uh, but I do think that they get a chance to do that. So, yeah, I got 17 to 10, a lower scoring game. There you go. So the reason I have 24 is I think they have a defensive score in there. I think ah. either Jack Jones gets a pick six or we see another – Fumble recovery for a touchdown. Oh, the big man touchdown. John Jenkins had one. Blau Nichols had one in recent weeks. So I think that defensive touchdown gets them over 20 and gets them to 24. I will also say a quick note. I'm sure Amik Robertson doesn't want to go out the way he went out against the Colts. So I, I, I will look for him to – he's going into free agency. So the Raiders could bring him back or he could sign somewhere else. He gave up a perfect pass rate against the Colts. A lot of people saw him get burnt by Alec he Pierce did. on that touchdown pass. I think he's going to be up for this game and, and try to shut down his area of the field on defense. So I, I look yeah. for an inspired defensive performance, and I think that Zamir White's going to have a good day because the Broncos, while their defense has improved, they still have a very poor run defense. Yeah, you can gash them with the run. I think that's what they got to do. And and frankly, that's what the Raiders need to do to score, right? Because as Pierce mm -hmm. said, uh, Aiden O'Connell's not going to go win you games. But if you can run the ball effectively, he's going to have open receivers. He's going to be able to wheel and deal a little more than he he's done in the past. So so that'll be good. So it'll be it'll be fun. It'll be good end the season, and then we get to turn silver and black today into the off season mode and and run through the playoffs and see how how the rest of uh, of the season goes. But I anticipate a quick coaching hire, a quick GM hire within a couple weeks after the end of the season. So we'll see how that all runs down. But we will be here for it. As always, so please do us a favor. Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you get your audio. And if you're listening to us on the radio in Las Vegas, we'll be here all off season two. So uh, you'll be able to tune in and hear about your Las Vegas Raiders. Mo, I will talk to you next week. I know you have your Bleacher Report live before the game, correct? Or after the after game, the I should game. say. After the game mm -hmm. on Sunday. So make sure you tune in to Mo's uh, Bleacher Report post-game show. And also, uh, make sure you tune in to ours as well. It'll be myself and Murph as, as well going after the game. So for everybody here, including our producer, Mike Robbie from Omoten, I'm Scott Goldbrands, and this has been Silver and Black Today. Have a great rest of your week, and have a great weekend. Raider Nation, we'll talk to you next time.